Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirkanish right here in the middle. This is the Smirkanish podcast for independent minds. David Fahrenheit is a Pulitzer Prize winning investigative reporter for The New York Times who recently co-authored a piece with Billy Witz that caught my eye, a subject I, I know or knew very little about until they educated me. It's this new arms race taking place in college sports. There's a new acronym we all need to know. Uh, It's not OSU. It's not uh, GA. It's not PSU. It's NIL. This is David Farenholt. Hey, David, back in the day, which for me was in the late 70s, I went to high school with a pair of blue chip, heavily recruited football players. And I remember each of them coming back and regaling all of us with the stories of what it meant to be recruited, which in the day was nice flight, game seats at your destination, exposure to the players, exposure to fraternity parties, maybe a little bit of companionship uh, if things went in your direction, some celebrity calls, you know, like there would be a celebrity who attended that school who might write you a note or call you on the phone, old school, push button type. Uh, but that was it. Now, if somebody is a blue chip football player today being recruited, what is the game? What does it look like? Well, basically, there's a whole new player in that game, which is there's something called a collective, an NIL collective. And these are groups of fans of, this, of the whatever school this is that have pooled their money together and they're going to pay you money. They're going to pay you a salary. And so if you're being recruited, you will often get uh, either a, like sort of a, a roundabout offer or a direct offer from one of these collectives. And they'll say, look, we're going to hire you to a job that take, requires almost no work and we'll pay you a salary. You know, the salaries can go up to, you know, hundreds of the hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, um, basically to come to our school. If you come to our school and play on the football team, you know, or play on whatever team we're recruiting for, there's a big salary in it for you from us. And is there is there like a subterfuge to this where we're going to say it's for your likeness, we're going to say it's for your image, or is it, hey, we're just paying you a flat-out salary, come play ball here? There is the barest, the barest of subterfuge here. So your listeners have probably heard of the NIL system, name, image, likeness. So this is something the NCAA put in place in 2021 that was supposed to let players make endorsements. You know, they could endorse Nike or a local car dealer or Gatorade or whoever, um, which they could not do before. But what happened very quickly was that uh, these fan collectives got together and said, look, we can use this as a pretext to just pay the players to play. Nominally, you can't still play the pl- pay the players to play their sport. But they will say, we're going to say, yeah, we're paying them for their name, image, and likeness, or we're paying them to work at a you know, charity camp or make a social media post. 
and we're just going to pay. We're just going to way overpay them for what they're actually doing. You know, but that's fine. It's our money. We can do what we want to. And it's become this backdoor, barely disguised way to just pay the players to play their sport. How regulated is the world of collectives? Very little. So there's two groups that could be regulated, but it's the NCAA. Um, which has rules. For instance, the NCAA prohibits players from uh, being paid to play and from, from prohibits collectives from using money to entice recruits or to entice transfer students. That said, both of those things happen all the time. The NCAA has said basically collectives are outside the reach, they're beyond the reach of our investigators because they're not schools, they're something separate from the schools. The other regulator here is the IRS, believe it or not. A lot of these collectives are actually nonprofit charities. So the money that, don't, that fans donate to them to pay linebackers or point guards or whatever is tax deductible. And the IRS let a lot of these groups, dozens of these groups, get established, get tax-exempt status, and then came back later and said, hey, wait, this, this doesn't sound like a charity. But because they were already all in the system, they're all getting tax deductions right now. So there, there are regulators, but it's not doing very much. Okay, if I write a check to the collective of my choice because I like X, Y, or Z's football or basketball program. What's the tax status of my donation to the collective? Well, there's two different kinds of collectives. In some cases, they are, they are, they are for-profit entities. And so that you're donating, you're giving money to an LLC. There's no tax benefit. Uh, but many of them, you know, I think we found over 60 of them, can take tax-deductible donations, either because they themselves have gotten approved as charities or because they're passing the money through kind of an allied charity. Uh, and so in those cases, if you make a donation, you can write it off. It's like donating to the food bank or to the United Way. So is the number of collectives limited, or can, can a robust football program, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the top 10, top 20 teams, are there multiple collectives associated with each program? It kind of varies. Some schools have sort of designated one collective as their main one, uh, but in other cases, there are more than one. I mean, the, the best example might be Ohio State. So Ohio State's coach has told the boosters basically that his, they need to come up with $13 million a year to pay his players, just the football team's players, in order to attract the players oh that he needs to win. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And, so, and there, there's at least two groups that are trying to gather that money and pay players, sometimes the same players. So has this spurred a whole cottage industry? I can just see like people with some fundraising prowess and some sports, uh, you know, enthusiasm now set themselves up as, hey, hi- hey, collective, hire us. We know how to do this. We'll raise the money for you. We'll take a piece of the action and you'll be able to fund your program of choice. Yes, that's what's happening. So some of these places are sort of homegrown. Some of the, some of the collectives, I mean, I should say there's more than 140 of these collectives out there. Some of them are just operating independently, but a lot of them are becoming professionalized. So there's companies that will run your school's collective for you and handle the, the payments, handle the fundraising, you know, and take a cut of the money for themselves. So it is becoming professionalized in that way. You know, I have to tell you, David, the more that I hear you speak and the more that I'm reflecting on what you wrote, there's an analogy in my world. It's a super PAC. It sounds like they're almost like super PACs where they're out there and they're they're raising money uh, and, and theoretically they're acting independently. There's some arm's length implied, I guess, but they're they're out there to get somebody elected or they're out there to build a football team here to make them win. That's right. And, and just like super PACs, you know, the this distinction between the super PAC and the candidate, which was always pretty yeah. thin, yeah, now yeah, yeah. Right, was just ignored because right. the FEC is not policing them. It's the same way. I mean, so 
there's all these rules about you can't you, collectives can't coordinate with the coach to recruit players. Collectives can't recruit players themselves that people seem to routinely violate. People admitted to us on the record that they violate uh, because nobody's policing it. What's the attitude of the schools? Are they pleased with this development or would they rather it didn't exist? Well, I think at first they liked it because, you know, they've been under pressure for so long to pay their players to, you know, this, right. this college yep. football, particularly college basketball generates such a huge amount of money. And the players who were, you know, the, the key part of that were kept out of, of that money flow, kept you know, arm's length from all this money that was going to coaches and administrators and anything else. And so now the, the colleges, it was like this miracle where now the players can get paid, but they don't have to pay them. They found somebody else who will step in and pay them for them. Uh, that said, I think now they're, they're recognizing there is a downside, which is that there's a loss of control. You know, the, the, the most important factor in your recruiting is those people that are not your employees. They're not, you don't really control them. And so if they want to recruit this quarterback and you don't, take it to the side. And if they also make a promise to the quarterback and then run out of money and can't pay him and he transfers, that's also outside your control. So the Big Ten commissioner said the other day in a congressional hearing that he feels like the, the control of college sports is slowly moving from the schools into the collective. And I think that has alarmed them. So you just referenced something, and this was on my list to ask David Farenholt, the investigative reporter for the New York Times Pulitzer Prize winner. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. So you just referenced something, and this was on my list to ask David Farenholt, the investigative reporter for the New York Times Pulitzer Prize winner. I know two words from having watched Coach Prime. The two words are transfer portal. How is the transfer portal impacted by the subject of collectives? Well, these are two things that basically arose at the same time, that the NCAA loosened the rules that allow players to transfer basically between schools now without having to sit out a year. 
So that and the, and the, now there's the money to pay those players. So what what that's created is basically a, a de facto free agent market, where players are recruited between schools. They are you know the huge effort to retain the people who you already have, and the the money from these collectives is basically the main currency of that of those exchanges. So there's a there's a huge free market for players moving between schools, and it's a huge free market to try to keep those players. The difference is, so it's, a, it's a free market for labor, a free agent market. The difference between that and the free agent markets we know from the pros is that in college, it's, free, it's basically a black market because it's not officially happening. It, doing it is kind of against the rules to begin with. And so there's no guarantees of, you know, that the, that the collectors are going to pay. There's no transparency about what players are, should be paid, what others and their sort of comparable players get paid. It's everybody sort of feeling around in the dark. And there's no accountability if these collectives say they're going to pay a player and don't. So it's a free agent market, but far more sort of chaotic and unreliable than the ones we know from the pros. Just one or two more, if I may. Sticking with my Super PAC analogy, Super PACs, of course, can have dark money. Uh, It brings to my mind this question. Can we determine through public record who has given to collectives? And do we know what collectives have given to athletes? Can I find out what the, quote, salary is of my favorite player? Uh, The answer to both those questions is no. Uh, Some (laughs) of the collectives are LLC, so we have no visibility at all about the money going into them. The ones that are nonprofits, we can see a little bit if they get donations from other nonprofits, but we can't see who they're – if they get donations from individuals, we can't see those either in public records. So is there any – li- whose money is coming in. Yeah. And is the, there and any – In terms of money going out, that is sort of uh, protected by privacy laws in, in, every, in almost every state. We're trying to figure that out, but there's no database. There's no transparency. Even among the athletes themselves, frequently, you know, the, the point guard on the basketball team, you know, the collective won't tell him what they're paying the, the center on the same team. You just made me think of this. Is there any limitation on age? In other words, what if there's some like wonderkind who's 10 years old? It's Michael Jordan's, you know, kid uh, or it's one of the Mannings. My God, there's another Manning. Can someone go out and lock up that talent now? It, they can in many states. So a lot of this is governed by state law and some states, you know, the, the state legislatures have an incentive to make the rules as loose as possible so their state schools can be the best. They can recruit the most people, the best people. And so in a lot of states, they've now started extending this to high school, where you can pay high school players uh, NIL money to try to bring them to your school. In fact, the, the athletic director for Ohio State said that now routinely when, when high schoolers come to Ohio State to be recruited on the recruiting visits that you referenced in the opening, they want to be paid for that. They ask for 5000 bucks just to come visit Ohio State's <laughs> oh, campus. So, yes, that's a big part of it now. <laughs> Oh, I shouldn't be laughing. It's crazy. Well, David, that was really well told. Thank you for writing the piece. Thank you for your willingness to come by and discuss it. I think that was really an eye-opener for many who are unacquainted with this world. I certainly was. Hey, thanks for having me on. That's David Holt, ladies and gentlemen. What do you make of that? Yeah, two buddies of mine. Two buddies of mine. You know, like the, the peak of it was they'd go to a sorority, right, and 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 come back with stories, some of which were true. <laughs> Um, Some of which you're still talking about. Exactly, exactly. But it's, you know, on one hand, on one hand, I I didn't think it right that the schools were making so much money. On these kids. On these kids. Right. But it seems like we have gone to a total Wild West, free market, laissez-faire, you so know. So what should the. Libertarian dream. What should the. I don't know. I mean, how should the, this. If the pen's in your hand, what are you doing? 
I tell you what I don't like. I, I don't like either the whole Jerry Seinfeld uh, comment about how we're rooting for laundry in professional sports. There are Such no ties point. to communities. And then like you get like a Jamie Moyer who was from Soderton, Pennsylvania, which is in the Burbs of Philly, and ultimately play, he plays for the Phillies. And like that's a really cool thing. But that is so rare. It's not rare. It's not rare in college athletics uh, because, you know, if you're if you're in Ohio and you're a standout football player, there's pressure brought to bear on you. And maybe it's because you just rooted for the Buckeyes growing up. It's like, hey, go to Ohio State. If you're in Pennsylvania, like go to Penn State. If you're in Florida, you got a couple of choices. And so there still was, if you look at the, the players and where they're from, you'll still see a, a strong connection between school and, and the town that they're from, right? But now it's all money. So there's no, it's, an, it's a laundry well, and situation. There's the transfer port, you know, portal, as you said. Like it used to be if you saw a player playing for Harvard football, like you knew they, they were from Massachusetts. Okay, really great example. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so, um, Gang, this is one of these subjects where there there are so many people listening to this right now who know so much more about it than the host of this program. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius X. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Sam. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. Uh, this is Gene in Spring Grove. Gene, what did you want to say? Yeah, I'm Michael. Full disclosure, I'm a Penn State alum. And nice. this happened under Mark Emeritt, the president of the NCAA a few years ago. And this, we're not going to get the genie back in the bottle. This is, it's just it's a terrible it's a terrible thing that's happened. Few, many years ago, maybe 20 years ago, Joe Paterno had the right idea, I think. He said athletes should get a stipend just like grad students do. They contribute to the university. They should get some money, like a maybe the, the uh, paying uh, athletes should get paid more than, say, what happens to the young lady playing volleyball who's putting in 40 hours a week to prep? She doesn't, she doesn't get an NIL, so it's, it's just... It's it's ludicrous. 
you're right that there's a, a big gender disparity in terms of, uh, you know, the way that men and women are hand. They're, they're not getting the bucks. I don't know why I even had to say anything. No. You said it nice and clearly, and I've just gotten all tongue-tied. But you're right. It's 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 the the male-dominated sports that are getting the dough. And then you say, well, well, and 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 not even is it not fair to women, but is it not fair to the guy who's a member of that squad but is not the star, but is out there at every practice as well? Should there be some type of parity in the process? Jeff, you're in Sarasota, Florida. Quickly, what did you most want to say? If Trump were president, you wouldn't have had anything to talk about for the last three weeks. Got to go. Okay, I guess we'll have to think about what that means. Brad, you're in Columbus, Ohio. Hello. Hello, how are you? Hi. Um, I just wanted to say, have you seen uh, the untold story, Johnny Manziel? I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just thought that really showed, you know, the university is making millions upon millions of dollars on his build a stadium. They literally build a stadium. uh, Yeah. And he can't even go to uh, autograph signing, not defending Johnny Manziel, but you understand better the disparity that existed before the NIL. Yeah, totally. The Manziel story, that's such a great tip for people who want to see what it was like and the fundamental, I argue, unfairness of it. I mean, Manziel was so much in demand and on the on the sly with that buddy of his who was acting as his business manager, they were going out and doing signings and, you know, coming home with thousands of dollars in, in cash. As they should. I mean, I, I, I look at it. I, I'll, I'll give you another another example um, closer to home. You look at those spectacular dormitories that Villanova has built. And I always think of them as like the houses that Jay Wright built. For sure. And they've so enhanced the campus and the area right in our backyard. It is incredible what winning two national championships does for donations. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's amazing. And yet, what about the players of right. those eras? Right. You know, what, what, what happened to them? Uh, Troy, I'm limited in time, but tell me what you most wanted to say. I understand that you played in the NFL. Played in the NFL, played in college as well. And at the time when I was at Boston College, the debate was, why should you guys get anything because you're getting a free education at this great university? Well, football players primarily football players, but there are some schools with basketball that make all the money. These football players, they make unlimited money for these universities. It's about time that they start paying them. But what they opened was a can of worms because now you can't control it, so it's totally out of control. But these guys do deserve it because of the money that the coaches make as well. Yeah, I don't want to go back to where the play. By the way, where did you play your college football? Do you mind telling me? I played at Boston College. I played with Doug Flutie when he won the Heisman. Oh, man. And at what an era. Time, the tuition went up, I don't know, like $10,000 because of just how good he was and how much attention he brought to the university. Troy Stadford, I hope you don't mind me outing you. No, I'm fine. That's fine. <laughs> I, I appreciate uh, Life good for you now? Life is excellent for me. And, you know, I it's, it's funny. When you were talking earlier with the gentleman that you had on, talking about this NIL deal, 
and you made the comparison to super, super PACs. PAC money. Yeah, yeah. Right, super PACs. Like, I'm new into politics. Like, I've taken a liking to it over the last, I'm going to say, 10 years. But there are some times when you guys talk over my head and I don't understand stuff. Well, listen, Troy, Troy, if it makes you feel better, I I feel like I'm a little lost in this world. So you got you got me beat on the world of uh, of NILs. Thank you for being there. Thank you for listening. I appreciate that. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 